Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. Man, we're always invited uh, our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. My hope would be that you would come back and we could be your spiritual family. In fact, we're in the middle of a series called um, uh, What Happy Couples Know. And last week we talked about this. We started it last week because, you know, there's some things that happy couples know. There's some things that they do. There's some uh, characteristics that they live like. And, and so we wanted to talk about that. And last week we actually uh, started this series in this idea that uh, every happy couple have some, like, efforts that they make. How many of y'all know, like, to be in a good marriage, um, it takes effort. It's not something that happens on accident. It's not something that is a, a, just kind of something that just appears. No one wakes up and goes, wow, I'm in a really good marriage. I didn't do anything. This is awesome. You know, like it doesn't work like that. But there are some efforts that we make. And last week we talked about that. So I highly encourage you. There was a great preacher who taught about it. I'm telling you, check him out. Uh, it was me. So, um, but it was last week. Check it out on our YouTube page, Spotify, all of our podcasts. You can see it anywhere. But today we're going to continue this series. It's going to be awesome uh, because we're just talking about just how to, you know, what, what, how to be a happy couple. In fact, a lot of you uh, did the Rise date night this last Friday, right? So if you were in the Rise date night, just make some noise, lift your hand. Who, who went on a date? Just did the little date experience, okay? Um, hopefully that was fruitful and it was awesome. You were able to look at your wife or your husband and, and have a moment. We, in fact, our, our kids department, were at, they celebrated because they got to watch all your crazy kids for on a Friday night. They're like, Pastor, we do it on Sunday. We got to do it on Friday too. And they're like, we're ready. They're excited. So they're they're happy and, uh, and they were just so blessed to be able to give you that opportunity. So I hope you did that. Uh, we actually had some fun little pictures we wanted to show some people from the date night, uh, just some posts that we had up there, and everybody did kind of a different thing. You got bowling, and you know, we got some FaceTime, we got the dinner, right? And then somebody did my favorite dates, Costco. That's awesome. I'd go to Costco every time. Costco's amazing. So uh, it was awesome to see uh, just some great couples go out there. Just love you guys. Thank you for participating in it, and we're so glad that you did. Uh, today, we're going to be in Genesis chapter number two. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter number two. If you've never opened up the scriptures, you're in the best time to be here because Genesis Genesis is really easy to find in your Bibles. It's actually the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to be at, kind of where God created everything. But just before I start this series, I want to give you a couple of highlights and some thoughts on it. Number one, uh, I'm not an expert, so you know this relationship is not a series that I'm going to talk about where I'm like, hey, I know everything. Do it the my way. My wife and I's marriage is amazing. That's not true. Um, we're all in this together. We're all a work in progress. My wife and I have a counselor. Uh, we have pastors. We have leaders. We try to read books all the time and go to every conference because how many of y'all know marriage is hard, right? It's a hard thing. And so that's not what I'm teaching. What I'm really teaching is I'm really getting to this. Let's just find out what God has to say. He's the expert. Let God teach us, and then we'll all get better together. The second is I'm going to teach sensitively because I know a lot of us, man, relationships, when I say relationships, it can be a hard thing. You know, a lot of us are really struggling with it. This is predominantly a marriage series, but really a lot of these principles translate to relationships. So if you're not married or you're thinking about getting married or you're in a relationship right now, you need to pay attention to this because these principles right now, you can be starting and then grow them when you get married and you get, you know, you kind of get into that world of being in a relationship forever. And so you're going to have to work at it. And there's some things that you're going to have to figure out. And so I'm going to speak sensitively about it. But I, I do want to say this. If you're a marriage that is in really bad shape or you're on some, like maybe this is your last leg, I pray that this would be a stepping stone for you to get better. But, but, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to promise you that if you just listen to this marriage, everything's going to be okay. That's not how it works. You might need some long-term rehabilitative care. And so today might be an ER. Maybe we'll stop the bleeding. But how many of y'all know you're going to need some care? And so we can actually help you do that. We have counseling uh, referrals that we can send you out to, some uh, godly people that can help you get to the next step. It'll be great, and that'll be my hope for you. Everybody say, okay? Everybody say, I got you. 
All right, we're going to be Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll put it up on the screens there for you. But it said this, And when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth. And there were no people. Everybody say, no people. No people to cultivate the soil. Some of y'all heard that, and you're introverted, and you're like, that sounds heavenly. It's amazing. No people around. Instead, verse 6, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land, and the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Two things that stood out to me in that verse was one that gives us a real good sense of why dudes like to be dirty, because uh, we were made from dirt. But, but the other thing that noticed is that that he breathed life into the man's nostrils. I, I think one of the quintessential principles of being a Christian is recognizing that without God, there is no life. Yeah, right. yeah. Even if you don't believe in God today, yeah. if you're here and you're, you're just checking this thing out, you're like, I'm not sure about God and I'm not sure about Christianity. I just want you to know you were formed and you're not an accident. And God created you and that you're here for a reason. And that you are designed to be connected to a divine creator. God breathed life into you. He knows who you are. You're here on purpose. Verse 8. So the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man he made. He had made. In verse 16, we'll fast forward. It said, but then the Lord God warned him and said, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. And the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I find it interesting. For verse 17, God establishes a, 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 a guideline for the way to live. It's just the man, and he realizes this guy might not pay attention. So, so I'm going to have to help him pay attention. And so uh, he said, he says, it's not good. I'm going to make him a helper. It's just right for him. And so God does something funny in verse 20. He says, look, I'm going to prove to you that really you cannot find your helper in anything but the, the person that I bring to you. And so he makes, he gives, you know, he gives light, names to all the livestock and the birds of the sky and the wild animals. There's still no helper. Just right from verse 21. And the Lord God's caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, Lord God took out one of the ribs and closed up the opening. In verse 22, says the Lord God made a woman. Whoa, man, this powerful she walked up from from the rib and he brought her to the man sometimes i call my wife the this is silly it's my little nickname for her sometimes i go come over i call her the rib i call her come on rib come over here girl i love you boo my girl and uh it's biblical it's the bible it's in there i see it and uh there's another verse in Psalm 118. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it up. And it says, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. David speaking about God using the same language of helper that, he, that God uses to create the woman. And then when God created a, a partnership, this union inside the, the garden, it was really interesting how how he did it. It was interesting, the language that he used. And today we're going to unpack what that really, really means. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm just grateful that we're here. And ultimately, God, you're, you're the one speaking. And I pray that every person in here would have a moment with you, or be little or large, but I pray it would be divine. Help us to take a step today 
in the things that you need us to take a step in. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. We all need a good friend, truthfully. Like, we all need somebody that we can count on when the going gets tough. We need, I always say it like this, we need someone to talk us out of crazy, right? And then we need someone to help us get out of crazy. We sometimes need somebody to help us, you know, cover up the crazy that we just did. You know, we just have, we need a friend. Everybody say friend, right? You need someone you can, you can count on. My, my experience with friends growing up uh, was unique and interesting. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and, uh, and didn't, there wasn't anything there, you know. Did I get a whoop from Albuquerque, New Mexico? 505? Yeah. We should not claim that. Um, and so... Uh, but, you know, I grew up there. So, you know, I, it was teenage life. Met my wife there in a 50-member church. We were all tiny and just loving God. And then I had already dated every teenage girl in that church seven times over. And my wife walks in in the back door, and she just powerful. I was just like, this woman, just look at, just like when it said woman in the scriptures, I was like, that's what it felt like. She walked in, and I was like, Whew. you know, her hair was blowing in the wind. And, the doves flying on out, and it was powerful. It was odd because, you know, it's, it was like when I saw, I had never, I don't know what love at first sight is, but if it ever was one, I really, I really was, she was so pretty, and, uh, and I just loved her, and so I thought, my first thought I was going to do was going to go invite her to come sit in our section, and she rejected me, and, and, uh, and so that was my first um, that was my first step in the long journey of rejections with my wife leading up to my conversation with her. And um, she, she, was, um, she was amazing. But there was this one time, can I, I'm going to tell you a silly story, okay? So just don't judge me for it. So I remember one time we were, we were uh, so I was sitting with my best friend. His name was Chad. Me and Chad were sitting on the couch together. We were watching a TV show, and we were just chilling and hanging out. And at that time, my wife was working at a clothing store called Anchor Blue. And I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Anchor Blue. It's, it's bankrupt now because, well, they're a terrible company. And so, um, but they, they were, she was working there, and it was like a teenage clothing store, you know, like a Hollister or, you know, uh, whatever. And so she, she was working there. And uh, one night I decided I wanted to go see if she wanted to go hang out with me. So I'm like, okay, hey. So I called her at the store. This is, I think, pre-cell phones or we think we had pagers and stuff like that. Y'all remember the pager? Like we had the cool pager with, it was color. It was like had a blue or green and we held it right here. Y'all kids don't even know what that is. But it's like there was a pager and it was right here. And when you got paged, telling you something good was going to happen. So we had a pager. I think I paged her, so she called me back, and I said, hey, do you want to go hang out tonight? You know, want to go see a movie or go get something to eat after you get out of work? And, uh, and I was waiting for her answer. She was quiet for a minute. And you know what she said? No. And so she said no, and I said, okay, no problem. I'll call you later. And so um, my, my, my friend Chad decided we, we, we had, we, we decided, the problem with men, can I just say this? When we, it's not just that if we're alone, it's bad. It's when we're alone together, it's even worse, right? So when you get dudes together, they, they just start thinking about stuff, and there's no one with reason around to say that's not a good idea. And so my, my friend and I thought, we said, well, she just rejected me. We had this idea. We were just like, hey, what if we just show up at the store and just kind of just, you know, and, and I, I realize now it's probably not wise. So, but anyway, I thought it was a good idea. I'm in teenagers, you know, so I'm a teenager. So we, we get in the car and we drive up to the store and we're driving to the store and we said, we had this idea. So some, I don't know who thought of the idea, but this was the idea. The idea was we were going to pull up into the parking lot and that we were going to like surprise her. She came out and then we were going to kind of talk 
her into going and hanging out with us. Well, what we decided halfway on the way there, we decided that what might be a good idea is we could figure out if she really liked me, what she really thought about me, if I, um, if Chad got into a conversation with her and then I was just somewhere close, but I couldn't be seen. In a car, the only way that could happen is if you actually get into place called the trunk. So I thought what we would do is our idea was we were going to drive over to the parking lot and then I was going to get into the trunk and then he was going to surprise her and then they were going to talk. So we pulled to a different parking lot. I got out of the car. I could only imagine what people might be thinking about is looking at a park. You know, if you're walking out from, you know, Walmart, you know, you're walking out and then some teenage boy gets out of the car, voluntarily opens a trunk, gets in, the other guy closes the door and they drive off laughing. That's what happened. And so we drove off. And so I'm in the trunk now, huddled in there and I'm I'm dying laughing because I just think this is the funniest thing in the world. He's laughing. I'm laughing. We're driving to the store. She dri- he drives up to Old Navy she wa- or, or Anchor Blue. So she walks out and she and she gets into the car. And he goes, he goes, all right, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. She's coming, she's coming. She goes, shut up, shut up. And so he's like, all right, be cool, be cool, be cool. So she, she gets into the car and he's like, hey, how's it going? She's like, hey, what's going on? You know, and they're like talking and stuff. And so he's trying to turn the car. I can hear my boy because he's my boy. You know, this is the guy who was in my wedding. You know, this is awesome. We're best friends. And so he's like, he's like, hey, uh, like, what do you think of Aaron? And she's like, yeah, you know, he's nice. He's, he's nice, you know. That's by the way, guys, it's code for she don't like you. So like, you know, like he's nice. She's nice. He's nice. So 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 he starts talking or whatever. And so he's trying to get information out of her, but she's just not saying anything. And so I'm giggling in the back. And and every once in a while they'll stop and she'll go, what was that? And he's like, and he would try to cover for me. He's like, that's just my car it makes noises, you know. And like cars don't giggle, dude, you know. So like. So I'm like giggling just in the back. And so uh, finally he gets to the end and she goes, well, I'm going to go home. And he goes, and out of nowhere, okay, this is why I tell you, you got to be careful how you pick your friends. Out of nowhere, he goes, so he's like, you want to hang out? And, 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 you know, I'm in the trunk and I'm like, and I'm like, I remember doing this. I remember going. And, and I was like, I was like but I calmed myself down. And so I was like, it's my boy. Like, he's not, he's not really trying to. I do that and then she said she was already tired like she was not gonna go do it and so you know so she goes you want to go hang out and I'm freaking out in the back and you know what she said yes she said yes and so they start they they create a date while I'm in the trunk she gets out I drive away I get out of the trunk I sit in the car I'm like what happened he goes man I don't know she don't sound like she likes you but uh where you want me to go drop you off at like I'm gonna go hang out with her I'm like what's going on like how many all know we all need right we all need a good a good friend. Pick your friends wisely. Now, why do I tell you that, that dumb story other than to make me feel and look dumb? Um, you, you need a friendship's important. You know, friends are friends are a big deal. And the myth about great relationships, this is the truth. The myth of every great relationship is that it's built on romance and um, excitement. Like every back Hollywood will tell you that. Like, you gotta find someone who you are like head over heels with and you're so excited to be around and then your relationship will be happily ever after. And that's not true. The truth is, in most great godly relationships, especially relationships that last, man, they're built on great friendship. There's a foundation of friendship in the marriage and most relationships lose that the moment they get married. In fact, some relationships don't even start like that. They start, this is why I always tell people, and teenagers especially, like, hey, when you get into, like, you start dating, be careful getting sexual too quickly because what you'll wind up doing is creating an overly insecure woman and an overly expectant man who's prideful and immature. And so you stunt both growth processes because you didn't build a foundation of friendship. You don't even know if you like the person. 
You like being with them physically, but you don't like the, you see what I'm saying? And what happens is, is you create, the, the foundation starts wrong. You actually have to start with some level of foundation of friendship. In fact, Song of Songs is a great scripture that says in, 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 the, in the, uh, the Song of Solomon, 516 it says this is my beloved this is and this is my my friend that my relationship is built on the idea that i actually like this person dr john gottman who's a marriage expert he's a relationship expert he has an institute legitimately you should look him up the gottman institute it's incredible relationship advice and and really just how to build a great marriage and he has this great statement he wrote in one of his books he says happy marriages are based on deep friendship by this i mean mutual respect for and enjoyment of each other's company these couples tend to know each other intimately they are well versed in their likes dislikes personality quirks come on y'all hopes and dreams they have been abiding i love this they have an abiding regard for each other and express this fondness not just in big ways but in little ways day in and day out and you need to know this that genesis chapter 2 talks about it because in Genesis chapter 2, 18, it says he made a helper. The helper, the Hebrew word there, helper, helper, is, is azer. It's, it's, it's a Hebrew word that talks about being in a sacred partnership. He created man and woman to be in a sacred partnership, a friendship that's built on not just physical connection, but intimacy that's found in a foundation of friendship. And a lot of us don't know how to do that. You could be sitting next to, and please don't elbow in here, right? Like the relationship series are always the ones where the husband's always like, and the wife's like this, and everybody walks out holding their sides. But the truth is, is that's everybody's problem is that we don't look at our spouse as our friend. We look at them as a workmate. You see each other in passing as you're running to the next thing. It's like a co-laborer in this thing. Like, we're just doing it together. One day I'll see you. You see each other as like, you know, anything other than a friend. But, 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 but God didn't design you that way. He designed you and your spouse to be in this covenant friendship that is built on the necessity of a human not being alone. So if that's true, I thought I'd give you four ways to build a, 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 a marriage, a, a, a friendship in a, in a relationship, a friendship in a marriage. Like, how to be a friend. Some of us don't know how to be a friend. You know, Chad didn't know how to be a friend. Come on, Bob. Like, well, that's messed up. Like, we, we need to learn how to be a friend. And, uh, and he's, he's still one of my good friends. In fact, he was the best, friend, he was, he was the best man in my wife's and I's wedding. How interesting is that? And I told him that, too. I said, guess who won? I did, homie. <laughs> So, so I, have a, I have a problem. Pray for me. Uh, number one, it's, it's, the title of my message today is let's just be friends. So let's just be friends. Number one, let's just be how to build a friendship. Let's just be friends in four ways. Uh, let's just be uh, different. Everybody say different. It's interesting. Um, this principle is really just friendship through differences. Friendship through differences. I, I'm going to have a deep thought for you. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. You guys are going to think I'm so smart. Y'all ready? Men and women, they're different. That's all I got. They're different. 
And the funny thing is, is the differences that you loved about your spouse are the things that drive you crazy now. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? You thought that she was so cute eating her peas. One fork poke at a time. You were like, when you were dating her, you were like, oh, that's so sweet. It's like a little squirrel just, you know, just, just poking it and just, that's so sweet. And now you're married to her and you're like, pick up a spoon like a human. Scoop it. It's a shovel. Why'd you even order peas? I don't even order peas. I don't want something that my food eats. I want meat. I got one. But our perspective on the differences makes all the difference of whether or not you're going to be a friend to them, whether you like them or not. It's how you see their differences. Isn't it interesting? I'll point something out. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Later on in this creation moment, the Bible says that at the moment their eyes were opened, they suddenly felt shame in their nakedness. Now, that moment was preceded by a sinful act. God tells them, don't eat the fruit. They eat the fruit because, well, they're human. Humans do the things that you're not supposed to do. So they eat the fruit, and then sin enters into the relationship, and then all of a sudden their perspective changes on their differences. And the Bible says they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Where do the fig leaves go? They covered up the thing that made them different. So lesson, side thought, side moment. Anytime sin enters into a relationship that you're in, it changes your perspectives. Because all of a sudden you start seeing things that were evil as good and you start seeing the things that were good as evil. It's why you justify doing sinful behavior when you're dating someone. That's why it always looks good. It always feels, it's always like, like when people say like, you know, like don't have sex before your marriage because it doesn't feel good. Like that's the dumbest thing you ever said. That ain't true. Can we be real? Like, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and, and people be like, tell the kids that sex before marriage is bad because they make them feel bad. I'm like, you want me to lie to them? No, no, it feels great in the moment, but it leaves long-term, deep, soul-killing wounds that you have to clean up later. And so your perspective on it was changed because you allowed sin to come into your relationship and whisper stuff to you. Because that's how Satan is. He's a punk. He has one stinking strategy, and it's lies. He comes in and he goes, I know God told you. But did he? And it makes you question. And then what you do is you start allowing all of his moments to come in. And then you're like, before you know it, you, you did something dumb. And now you got to pay for each moment. It's not God can't forgive you and God can't restore. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's, it's, it, sin does still leave the, the ramifications that you have to walk through. And some of you in here, you know, you know. I'm not telling you anything. I'll preach to the choir. You know that. But, but it was where they were different. And sin distorts our perspective. So how do we have a godly perspective on the differences that we do have? Well, the first one, you know, I have three, three thoughts. Three thoughts could be is, you know, one perspective on differences could be that you see something different with your spouse and you reject it. Well, that's what the enemy wants you to do. 
That's what he's been wanting you to do from the beginning. He wants you to see every difference that you have with your spouse or your person that you're in a relationship with as bad and as negative. He wants you to see it as like, man, that's something you got to fix. And what you start thinking, when you get that in your spirit, what you start doing is you start saying, it gets into your spirit and then it comes out in your mouth and you start saying things like, I hate the way he always dot, 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 Because you have a different always than my wife has not always with me. Because the differences that you loved before were the things that you thought, you thought he was so manly walking around with that beard and it was powerful and he just big old man, just like this dude is going to take care of me. And now you're like, shave your face, shave, <laughs> shave your face. I'm sick of it. Shave it. Pokes me every time you try to kiss me. Don't kiss me with that face. Y'all right? Right? Uh, you, you used to thought he would just have that manly smell. Now it just smells manly. Like you like musky. Just take a shower. Change your underwear. Your drawers are disintegrating off of you. Change them. Right? And you reject him. You say, he don't ever. She always. He never. And when you get into that world, you start rejecting everything that made him great. Because you don't want to marry you. You know how bad you can be. You want to marry somebody else. Second way, I will say this about rejection. It, it can be really hurtful for your spouse. Be careful. You can't build a great friendship if, you, if they feel like you don't like them for them. You know, I was counseling a guy, and I don't counsel anymore because I'm just not good at it. And, um, and so the, the guy came with his wife, and he says, I need you to fix my wife. She was sitting right there, and I'm like, Okay. And he said, yeah. I said, well, what does she need fixed? He goes, well, she's sensitive. Can you, can you stay, keep her from being, like, I don't want her to be so sensitive. She need, she's too sensitive. And I said, but, but, but that's, 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 a, that's a good thing. So God made her to, you want her to be sensitive. That's why, that's how she is. That's, She's a woman. She's, that's, she's great. That's what you want from her. No, she's too sensitive. You need to fix her. I said, and I looked at him. I said, no. You don't want that. And then, you know, it, it ended quick because I don't do this well. But, like, <laughs> you, you, we all think we want, you want what you don't know you want. So in every relationship, you can have a moment. I could reject them. Second one is you, could, you can accept it. That's what the world says. The world says just deal with it. You know, they're different. Just deal with it. You don't like it. But just deal with it. They're different than you. Just deal with it. Like, just, just deal. I think God teaches us in a lot of ways not to reject and not to accept, but to actually celebrate. It's actually through celebration. That, that, that friendship is really formed. When you look at your differences and you go, they're not there to be rejected. They're not there to be accepted. They're there to be celebrated. And you're actually supposed to look at them and go, man, that's actually, I'm glad you got them. Thank you so much. I'll give you an example. In my household, um, my wife and I don't like the same temperature inside the house. Anybody else suffer through that in own type of sin? Right? Okay, anybody else? Come on, like you believe God and you're just proud to be an American. I'm proud. to be, Okay, good. I like it at what I would call normal temperature. <laughs> that temperature would be 70, 69-ish. My wife likes it at 37 degrees. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm being, I'm being silly. 38 degrees. 
she wants it so cold that like, uh, and I think it's actually a strategy for parenting. We have five boys. I think, because I've noticed the colder it is in our house, my kids slow down a little bit. They just, their blood starts to thicken up. And then eventually we end up on the couch covered in a blanket and we're just like, <laughs> that's the only way I think she, I mean, that's, that's a genius strategy. But I think like, I just like it a little warmer in, in I don't want it to be hot, but I, don't want, I just want it to be a little, a little warmer. And I used to just be like, man, can you just please, please, just, can you please, can you just, Turn up just a little, one degree temp, just two temperature. I'd like to not wear a parka in my own home. It would be a fight for us all the time. And one day I just felt like my, I felt like, you know, my pastor, because he, he does this a lot with me. He still, just leave her alone. Just let her be. Let her, it's her home. Just let her be. You don't care that much. That's one thing. I, it's a good piece of advice for some of you guys you, who are real sensitive like me. You sensitive. Um, you don't care as much as you think you care. Yeah. It's not personal. Like, we take a lot of things personal. It's really not. Like, she just likes it cold. It has nothing to do with you. Let it go. So, but I didn't. And so my pastor was like, hey, you need to let it go. And so I was like, okay. So I felt like, and I felt God tell me, like, you need to celebrate that about her. Like, find a way to just make her feel like she's, it's okay for her to be her. So I'm like, okay. So then the other day, I'm like waking up, and I'm like, it's freezing in my house. I can see my breath. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And I walk out. I said, babe, I'm so glad you like it like Antarctica up in here. This is great. I'm glad. This is awesome. The kids weren't at home. They were with Grammy and Grandpa's house. I'm like, let's just walk around naked. No house. This is clothes. This is great. Just walk around. This is great. I just walk around like it. Because like, you have to learn to celebrate. Right? Is that weird? It's too much. Too much. TMI. All right. So, all right. Homework. 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 Everybody say homework. Highlight something this week that's different about your spouse and celebrate it. So find something different about them. And here's how you celebrate it. You, you actively verbalize what you like about them in a way. Okay. Can you do that? Say, so say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right. We'll move on from that point. You know, it's just being the history of our church. Let's, uh, let's second one is this. So let's just be different. Then the second one is let's just be vulnerable. Let's just be vulnerable. Let's just be vulnerable. The interesting thing about being vulnerable with people is that you can't be vulnerable. Have you noticed? I can't be vulnerable with somebody I don't, I'm not friends with. Like that's kind of a rule. That should be a rule in your house. Don't you, you, I always tell somebody, like if you're going through something, like you don't need to tell everyone, but you need to tell someone. So you got to have some like friend that you feel like, man, I feel like I can be vulnerable. This is friendship through vulnerability. John 15 says this. This is funny. This is Jesus talking about his relationship with others. He says, I can no longer call you servants because a servant does not know. Everybody say no. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't have insider information. His master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. You're not my servant. You're my friend. But here's why you're my friend. He he defines it. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You and I have no secrets that are not kept. We don't have secrets between each other. Like, we're open. We're vulnerable. You have all my insider information. You're the closest person to me. You know my most intimate secrets. You, I'm the only, you're the person that I'm most vulnerable with. That's how you create friendship. I mean, isn't that true? In the closest friends that you have in your life right now are the things that know the most about you. That's how you even define a close friend sometimes. You're like, how do I know he's my best friend? He kind of knows everything about me. She, she knows my deepest, darkest issues she's my closest friend and the only way you can do that is you got to create an atmosphere that's safe you got to create a place where like your husband can come to you and tell you anything you got to create a place where your wife can come to you and tell you everything here's a few highlights on that number one you got to create a place where there's absolute confidence you got to know this is this is going to come here and it's going to stay here so what, what's important about that is in some relationships where that, that, system, uh, that system breaks down is actually with the family. 
Because some of us are like, okay, I'm good not telling anybody else, but I got to tell my mom. And so your husband was vulnerable with you with a moment, found out you told your mom, and now what does your husband feel like? He's like, this is, this is not what I thought. I thought you were a vault. I thought this was my safe place. And now your mom knows, and now, now your mom knows, your dad knows, your dad knows, your sister knows, your sister knows, and now it's, it's a topic of conversation at Thanksgiving dinner. You see? And so they got to know, hey, when you tell me something, honey, it stays right here. Number two, if one of your, if the person in your relationship goes out of his way to actually tell you something, could, could you just, on behalf of God and Christians everywhere, please don't be religious about it. Like, don't use the Bible as a sword against your spouse. That's not what that scripture's for. And we use these as like Bible bullets to everybody. We're like, let me just show you what, the God, what God has to say about that. Let me tell you right now, the Bible says this. That's a sin. Let's walk out the sin behavior inside what you're talking about. Romans Road right now. Let's do it. I can't believe. How dare you do that? God's looking at you, ready to smite you. God, believe. I can't believe you would ever do that. I thought you were a Christian, right? You anybody ever heard that from your friend? And you were like, just shut up. Just Can I just tell you something? Could you not be an apostle right now? Can you be a human? Right? Did anybody ever talk to somebody who's like talks in Christianese and you're like, what's wrong with you? This isn't King James. This is not England. Use English. So if somebody says something, especially your spouse, if you want them to be your friend, don't be religious. Don't pretend like you can't, you've never struggled with that and you can't struggle with that. Third one, don't be judgmental. Don't be, like, have no judgment. Like, hey man. I'm just, God, my heart breaks. I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what that feels like. But I don't judge you. I want to help you. Whatever you need. You see what I'm saying? That's how you create safe place. So homework we could be create, um, we call them, my wife and I call them care and share moments for small secrets. Secrets, that's not a word. Secrets, secrets. Or offenses with the, with the spouse. So, I would bear to say that there's, if you're married in here or you're in a relationship, you probably have a secret. We're going to get real awkward. And you don't have to tell me your secret. You don't have to tell God your secret. But if you want to grow your friendship, you should tell your spouse your secret. And work it out. Why? Why? Because you're trying to build intimacy. Intimacy is brought in by proximity. And let's learn how to do that. Number three, let's just, um, this is a good one. Let's just, um, so I have, let's just be different. Let's just be vulnerable. And then this one is, let's just be leaving each other. You see how I did that? I'm a pastor, I'm a creative. Um, <laughs> let's just be leaving each other. This is principle, is, uh, is friendship built on belief. I like this, what James chapter two says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. Everybody say, say believed. He said, believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then they describe it. He says, and he was called God's friend. You need to know this. God doesn't have any friends that don't believe in him. And neither should you. Like, there's got to be in your, in, especially in your relationships, where your husband or your wife or the person you're in a relationship, they are your biggest fan. 
Like they believe in you when you don't believe in you. And the only way you do that really is through your words. You know this because ladies, guys, you know, we could we could tell our spouse some things. And when coming from you, it's different than coming from someone else. That's why we say measure criticism and measure praise because it depends on where it's coming from. Because if I don't know you and you walk up to me and you're like, man, that message was dumb. You ever read your Bible ever? Sermon was played. What's wrong with you? That's different coming from a stranger than it would be coming from my wife. And so we got to learn to be careful with our words. University of Washington can predict within 90% accuracy what couples will stay together. You know what their number one predicting factor was? This is kind of crazy. Their number one determining factor and predictor of divorce is criticism. So if you're critical in here, by nature, some of y'all are like, y'all have started a new rap group called Critical by Nature. Like, I'm telling you, like, you better be careful with your words. You better be careful. I'm telling you, you better be like, you better be watch out with how you say things. I got to be careful. How Do I build my wife up? Do I tear her down? Do I build my husband up? Do I tear him down? And so like one thing happens, like sometimes I'll get off this platform and, and you know, I won't feel good about the message or something. And, and you know, like, but if my wife says something, man, the other day I, I got off and um, I was like, church was done. We were on Sunday afternoon. I'm like passed out trying to recover. And she's, and she's like, how you doing, babe? And I'm like, I don't know. I just was having a bad day. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It's hard. Can I be vulnerable with you? I have these days sometimes, you know. It's hard to be a pastor. It's hard to be a pastor right now in this climate we're in. You know, the new th- public thing that comes up, 50% of the people think I'm right. 50% of the people think I'm wrong. It's hard to feel like, you know, yeah. that sometimes. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I, want, I, I quit. I quit today. And she goes, okay, I accept your resignation. I was like, okay. And Monday morning, I wake up. She wakes, she, she, she wakes me up. She goes, she's, hey, you're hired. And I said, wait, I didn't, I didn't apply. <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, we, we're good. We, we have it on file. We'll see you later. Time to go to work. And I'm like, but I, don't, I, don't, I told you I don't want to do this thing. And she goes, oh, I know. Well, you can do it. Yeah. You got this. You can do it. And, like, you can see my body, like, my posture changes. Because I'm like, I can't do it. And she, she said, no, you can do it. You got this. You're strong. You're made for this. Aaron, you, you got this. This is, this, is, this is powerful. God's in you. You're going to do great. You're going to be awesome. I'm like, man, devil, where are you at? You know, like, Monday, I'm ready to go. You know, why? Because, because my wife's words build, build me up. Ladies, your words to your husband, I'm begging you, you, you got to say some nice things. Yeah. You don't, don't be like the person, be like, well, I don't know what, there ain't nothing nice to say about him. Well, okay, well, fake it till you make it, right? Like, believe in the guy he could potentially be one day. Seriously, seriously. Like, you're going to be a good, you are a man of God. Like, my wife's, you know, her secret weapon in our fighting is she'll say, she'll say stuff like, man of God. And I'm like, don't call me a man of God right now. I just want to be a man. <laughs> like, I want to be, this let me be sinful. I want to be a man. I want to tell you how I feel. Flesh feels real good right about now, right? But she's saying, man, you're a man of God. You're not acting like it. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to be it. Right? Because we got, we got some words we got to say. So ladies, be good men, be, 
you ain't nobody can love your wife like you can love your wife. She won't. She might not tell you that because she feels scared to tell you that because she don't want you to hurt her with your power that you have with your words. Don't hurt her. Help her. How do we get better at this? We do this with our thoughts. By the way, there's a myth in the world that says, um, so you can't say nice things if you don't think nice things. And so a lot of us, especially Christians, because, you, you know, we, we weird, you know, because I'm a Christian, so I can say it. We, we do weird things. We, we do dumb things, and then we blame the devil for it. You ever met those people? So, like, we say stuff like, the devil got control of my mind. Like I grew up in that church, old school, you know. Like the devil, the devil gone got up in my mind, made me say a couple of stuff. The devil ain't get up in your mind. You said that. You ain't you. God and the devil is not in control of your mind. You know who's in control of your mind? Grab some sky right now. Everybody in here, just touch the sky. Everybody lift up your hands, lift them up. Come on, like you got deodorant on and you're proud of it. You put it on this morning. That's who's in control of your mind. So you can think right so you can speak right. Somebody say yes. Homework, think about why you married them and not why you're mad. And number two, speak to the future version of themselves. I think I talked a little bit about that. Closing, I'm closing. This is my first close as a pastor. Closing. Last one is this. Um, let's just be different. Let's just be vulnerable. Let's just believe in each other. But then last one, let's just be empathetic. This is friendship through empathy. Hebrews 4 says, that, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has been ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. It's a double negative. He's saying we have a high priest. Jesus can empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who's been tempted in every way, but as we are, yet we he did not sin. You need to know this. A great friendship is built on empathy, just like our friendship with Jesus is built on empathy. Empathy is simply this. Um, the ability to understand the feelings of another. And so, like, sympathy is saying, um, is feeling sorry? Empathy is saying, I'm going to get up in that and feel like, I don't, I don't feel like I understand what you're going through, but I'm going to try everything I can to feel it. And when your wife is crying, the opposite of empathy is saying, stop crying. Empathy is saying, honey, when you hurt, I hurt. When your husband's having a low day, he feels like things aren't working, telling him something like, stop being a weak man. It's not empathy. Empathy is going, God, honey, I'm so sorry. How can I be a help? How can I help lift you up? I want to feel what you feel. I want to understand how you feel that. I, I, don't, I didn't go through that, but I want to understand. I want to feel what you went through. And when we do that, we start to consider the feelings, right? We start to consider that person that God gave you. And I, and I believe if we, could, if, we could, if we could learn to be different, and celebrate them. If we can, we can learn to be vulnerable and celebrate it. If we can learn to believe in each other, we, we can ultimately learn. I think really believe, I think we can be empathetic. I think we can create great friendships in here. And I think that's what God wants for every one of our relationships. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for my wife and I, is that um, I won't just get married. I won't just stay with her because I have a contract, right? That says I need to stay with her. My hope is that I stay with her because I actually like her. I'm giving you the ways to actually like your spouse because you can build that. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, you're speaking to us. 
Man, you've been doing that all weekend long. It's been powerful to hear your word through your scriptures. And I pray that today, Lord, as we're learning how to be friends, um, God, you would speak to us clearly, give us a clear word, a clear step for each and every one of our relationships. Uh, God, help us to understand and to see you clearly and to know exactly what you're trying to do inside of our lives. I pray that every one of us would have the strength and courage and conviction to do that. 